Welcome back to the UCFB Football Podcast, brought to you by Blue Check Wembley. Hello and welcome back to episode 10 of the UCFB Football Podcast. So obviously Sean is not with us this week. He's uh, unavailable for recording, um, but the women's didn't have a game, so that's fine, We but he will be back with us next year. Um, so the seconds um, unfortunately didn't have a game this week. Uh, they were supposed to play St Mary's, but um, the team unfortunately had a COVID outbreak. Uh, so the game has been rescheduled for the new year. No official date yet, but we'll update. Uh, we'll let you know when we get one on the Twitter. Uh, so Marley, how did the first get on? Um, it was another day to forget for the first team. Uh, another loss, unfortunately, on our away trip to Kent. Uh, it was a 2-1 loss. Um, there was a couple of new faces in our side with uh, Jack Bibb and Laws Nicholas coming in in the centre of midfield, making their first team debut up from the seconds. And they actually really impressed me, especially Jack Bibb, who was up there for uh, man of the match, in fact, in, in his first start. So it was great, uh, great to see them do well. Yeah, Jack uh, Bibb for the seconds. Jack Bibb's been incredible for the seconds this season in midfield, sort of dictating the pace of the game throughout the league. Yeah, so UCFB started slow. Um, and they and they just again, it was a bit like there was something wrong. It didn't something quite wasn't working or something or other. Like it was that final pass or that final ball, or it was either under hit or over hit. It just wasn't going their way. Um it was and they were they were really struggling to create chances, which is obviously like if you go back a couple of weeks, is c- the complete contrast where they, it seemed like it was a case of how many they were going to score, not if they were going to score. Um, Kent played really well, to be honest. They were great on the ball, playing counter attacking football, and they were in a couple of times in the first half, and it was a TJ save saves again that were keeping UCFB in the game. Uh, UCFB went 1-0 down on, on 10 minutes and it was in really, really unfortunate circumstances. Uh, Jack Stockwell was trying to win the ball back for the wayside and ended up putting it into his own net. Um, and it almost just got, things went from bad to worse because in the build-up to that play, Jacob Sim was actually injured and he's he's uh, uh, since then we've obviously learned that he's he got a hairline fracture on uh, one of his bones and, and he's got a bit of soft tissue damage but hopefully he'll be back for the first fixture in the new year so he had to come off which obviously disrupted the back line further but on came uh, Joel Nagimbi and he actually for the second game in a row played really well we, the, uh, these last two games Joel has played the best football I've seen him play since he made his debut for the first team all those weeks back the goal sort of it, after the goal, it looked like UCFB had a bit more control on the ball, a bit more composure, but uh, it just wasn't to be as Kent doubled their lead about 15 minutes later, uh, heading in at the back stick after some really shoddy defending uh, by UCFB. They just looked like there was a lack of organisation, a lack of communication when Kent had the ball. And and the ball was crossed in on the right-hand side and, and Harry Nicholson was left on, on the back post with with their striker and their striker was probably about a foot and a half taller than Harry. Bless him. He was left there at the back post and the guy just towered over him and headed it in a bit more communication, getting someone else to pick him up might have prevented that goal. 
Giuseppe went in at half time and and it and the manager was quite clear in in the sense that he wasn't worried about the league anymore or even the result today, but it was what was concerning him most was the performances and how bad they were. And all he asked for in the second half was a better performance. And to be fair to UCFB, they they, they gave him just that. They passed it a lot better in the second half. Jack Bibb had some great shots on goal. That There was one that I thought had gone in, but it was on the side netting and stuff like that. UCFB eventually found their way back into the game about uh, with about... 25 minutes to go with Joe Waite firing us back into the uh, back into the game after some great uh, uh, which was a result of some great passing moves UCFB were really starting to string their passes together and it was showing because Kent couldn't actually deal with it once it was happening but it all was uh, sort of too little too late because by the time that UCFB started building up a head of steam or anything like that the uh, the final whistle went and it ended 2-1 so it looks like the league has gone and 2021 was sort of it ended on a bit of a slump for UCFB form-wise, but they've just got to look now for the cup campaign, which they're still in, and see how far they can go in that because that's their only hope for a trophy now this year. Yeah, it seemed like they were starting to put a few results together, so it's a shame they couldn't carry that on and uh, stay very much in the race for the title. But Well, yeah, yeah I, th- I think the... Uh, after the Hertfordshire game, it was such a, a great result for the, the firsts. And then since then, I think they've sort of been brought back down to earth quite quite brutally with the results. I think the results have shocked them. But I think going into the new year, they're all pretty confident that, yes, they can't win the league, but they can use the league as a way of picking up form and momentum for the cup games, which I think they feel like they've got a real shot in going all the way in the cup. Yeah, that seems to be the big aim this year right from the start of the season really it's, that's been what they've had their eyes on so so Connor how did you guys get on uh, it was another win for the thirds this week business as usual um, it was more it was a closer game this week it's probably the closest game I've seen this season because usually we've sort of got acclimated to blowing teams away by maybe five six goals Um we were against South Bank this week, uh, the team that we played in Peckham with no nets and no corner flags and no referee. They must have been absolutely astounded when they got to SJP. Yeah, I think that's what I said last week. They're just complete like, opposite end of the spectrum, really, because I think our facilities are top-notch for a uni football team, really. But, um, yeah, I wasn't... Wasn't really sure what to expect because the game we played at theirs, I, I wouldn't really even call that a game of football. It was just hit and hope it bobbles on the pitch and you they can scrape a lucky goal or there was no actual football being played. It was very hard to employ any sort of tactic just because the, the facilities were that bad. So I don't think we really knew how good they actually were on, on a proper pitch and how, how they could play football. But... um. We came to the game confident, as usual. Um, and yeah, it started off very, very end-to-end in the first start 15 minutes, I'd say. Um, not really a lot going on in terms of actual shots on goal, but the, the midfield saw a lot of the ball and the two teams were very even, I'd say. Um, they're, again, a very big physical side, so they were imposing themselves on the game. Um, we took the lead through Sam Donashi, who's a... I think he's our top scorer now. 
with that goal. Um, not certain, but I'm pretty sure he is. Him and him and Seamus are up there. Uh, but yeah, he he put us one nil up. Uh, uh, ben Daly played an absolute masterclass down the right. He spun his man left, right, and centre. Got into the box. Beautiful side foot pass across the box. Uh, Sam took the shot. He was about six, seven yards out. And to be fair to the keeper, he actually saved the first effort from point blank range. But um, yeah, Sam was there to get on the end of the tap in as well. Uh, yeah, to put us one nil up. Went in at half time at one nil. It's a very, like I said, a very even half. All in all, even after we were one nil up, they were looking to get back in the game. They had some some pretty good players. To be fair to them, I think they're probably the toughest team we faced this season. They're a good side. I think we sort of turned up to their their gaff and sort of was like, yeah, they, these ain't going to be much. But I think yeah, they're, they're actually quite a good side. But um, yeah, the second half again, very very even half. Uh, I think they ha they had quite a few corners. I think maybe seven seven or eight corners. weren't really able to make make anything of them. Uh, they had a few free kicks. They had a, they had a good free kick taker. Apart from the fact he, he thought he was Ronaldo doing the, doing the stance and everything, proper big time. Um, but he he knew how to strike a ball. Just couldn't really find the target. Uh, luckily for us. And then seventy uh, seventh minute. Just before the last 10, uh, Drake ran through on goal, got fouled, and we got a penalty, which I was really hoping was going to get Penenka to sort me out in the bingo, but I um, don't think we could really take the risk at 1-0 up. And uh, Drake, who won the penalty, absolutely buried it to put us two up. I think we closed the game out really well. We made a late sub, taking off Donashi and bringing on Ratimi uh, to shore up the midfield. Uh, but they didn't really have many chances after 2-0, I think. Yeah, we very good defensive performance. Another clean sheet. I think that's two in a row for us now. So, uh, yeah, big performance, big win. And moving on in the league, I think we need two more wins to win the league now. So, not not too far off. That sounds like a great result for the, the thirds. They they must be uh, really pleased. I, I suppose the league sort of wrapped up for them now. It's just a shame that they're not in the, uh, in the cup. Yeah, I think the squad... Although they're not in the cup, they're very, they're still very focused on the league because uh, we want to finish undefeated with as many clean sheets as possible, scoring as many goals as possible, really dominating. So I think they're very focused on making sure we don't turn up and sort of lose our lose our focus because we're so far out in front and maybe like another team nicks a result off of us or nicks a point or just stuff like that. I think they're it, they're really looking to shore us up and see out the season in the same form that we started it in really. I think the uh, what's going to be interesting coming into the new year with all the teams, in fact, is uh, players moving from squad to squad because I definitely think there'll be some some players moving and 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 things like that. Yeah, I think the with the yeah. with the thirds and the seconds, they're both uh, top of their league and close to winning them. Like within a couple of games of winning them, so especially after that, if that happens, then there's only uh, one more trophy to fight for, which would be the cup game for the firsts. Yeah, I think uh, this week was. Um... Ricky Kenny's last game for us, the skipper. He's moved up to the first. But yeah, uh, I think we're going to see a few players going up and down. May, uh, maybe, uh, like Dylan said, like just on loan for a couple of weeks while the uh, the first are in the cup. But also, I think there will be a few permanent moves as well based on how players have been playing throughout the season. And I think as well, if players are, are getting those chances on loan and proving themselves, I think they almost, they deserve to be moved up if, if their performances warrant it. Because why should... 
a player be playing in the thirds or the seconds if they play if when they do go into the first they are performing it's almost it's a bit selfish of the, of those teams to want to keep them when their league's already wrapped up and stuff like that if if those players want to play at a bit of a higher level and and maybe go for a cup when the league's already secured yeah i think uh yeah i, th- I think especially like dylan said again with the with the seconds and thirds being so dominant in their league it's sort of we've got room to manoeuvre players into different squads as and when it's needed, really, especially with the cup fixtures, like you just said. I think uh, having competition, uh, especially in the first team, having competition um, in each position can only elevate all of the players and it's something that's going to be needed going forward because the cup games are only going to get harder. Yeah, well, I think what UCFB are blessed with is three very talented squads and and to be fair, it's, it's not a bad problem to have that you've got probably three squads of players that could all f- arguably be a first team at a university, um, given their form and their performances and stuff like that. So the fact that we've got three teams that can do that, that are putting in those sort of performances and showing that sort of form is, is, is great really, because while the, the seconds and the thirds are clearly far too good for their league, it seems as though the the first have sort of hit their ceiling now and they're at a sort of level where they can compete. But in a couple of years, maybe the seconds and the thirds after a couple of promotions will be at that sort of level as well. Yeah, I could see it happening. I think, yeah, I think especially with like the, the fact that we can swap all the players around because the, the golfing quality isn't really that massive because all, all three teams are very good. So, yeah, I think that, that definitely is something that could happen in a few years' time. That's all for part one. Join us for part two when we will be going for the seventh instalment of Away Days when the first team travel to the University of Kent. So we're here on the bus on the way back from Kent. Uh, We lost 2-1, unfortunately, but this is Away Days. So first of all, boys, um, we're here with Louis and Joe. How were the changing rooms? Uh, Changing rooms were all right. Bit small, maybe. So a bit small, let's yeah. lay it down. Yeah, it was nice. It was good that the toilet was separate from the uh, rest of the change room because Sim didn't do us a very nice job at the start. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say a bit tight, but if not, quite, yeah. quite good. Yeah. Give it a, I don't know. Rating out of 10? 6.5. A 6.5? 7. 6.5? Yeah, 6.5. 6. 6. So 6.5 6. out of 10 for the changing rooms. Next is the pitch. How was the pitch? It was nice, but massive. Yeah, yeah, it was a big pitch. It was long pitch. I think the size does let it down because that is a massive pitch. I'm happy to give it like a seven. Yeah, seven. 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 And finally, the home support. There was a few, a few of them there. There Quite a lot of people. How were they? um, Didn't make that much noise compared to like Reading and stuff. But uh, a few nutmegs here and there, and went wild. And I think the fact that uh, our friends Meg and stuff like that came, not only that it wasn't many of them, but it is a long journey for them to come to. So I'm happy with another seven or something. But also as well, you mentioned the Reading game. The, the Reading support, their banter was horrible. Yeah. But what, what was Kent's like? Um, non-existent, really. Yeah. yeah. Just, just loved the nutmeg apart from that. Because Didn't really sort of let like the game go on. So what are we giving them out of ten? So a 6 out of 10 for the home support, a 7 out of 10 for the pitch, and a 6.5 for the changing room. 
that's been away days. Thank you, boys. Right, so the overall score was 19 and a half. So we actually have a new leader in the away days uh, table uh, with Kent just passing Westminster by 0.5 of a score. So, but yeah, no, it was a nice away day. The pitch was lovely. It was like carpet. But like the boys said, the only problem was it was absolutely huge. Um, one of the things we said we were saying was that we know why now that Kent, a lot of their game is playing in behind on the counter attack because the pitch is so big that that's that that pitch is perfectly suited to that game that game plan and uh, but yeah it was it was one of the better away days they had a dugout which we like we like a dugout um because when it did start to it there, there was about a 10 minute spell i think where it rained so i just sort of sat in there nice and comfy and uh when uh, jacob sim injured his ankle yeah, uh, just just before the first goal, he uh, having a dugout meant that he could put his foot up, which was obviously another bonus as well. Yeah, I do love a dugout. I haven't had a single dugout on any of my away days this year, or even so much as a seat. I haven't either. <laughs> so yeah, we do love a dugout. But it's surprising that the pitch being big is a negative. Like with the second team, there, I think they'd prefer a like bigger pitch with the way they play. But I think it's just like. It was a case of like like we've played on some pretty small pitches this year, like Hertfordshire springs to mind, Reading springs to mind, but this was huge. Like this was this was a very big pitch. It was um, which obviously when you like if you can use the space and stuff like that, it's good. But I think for a group of university players that maybe aren't in peak physical condition or training two or three times a week, uh that pitch very quickly becomes very big. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think, obviously I can't speak on you guys' away days, but in terms of all the ones we've been to, it, it deserves to definitely be up there with the, the best ones so far. Um, and I think that's reflected in the score. Yeah, it's nice to see some higher scores on the away days and some better facilities, because I feel like a lot of, university football teams facilities is always oh, something that lets it down whether that be the changing rooms or the state of the pitch or the, the the facilities around the pitch so yeah it's nice to see some higher scores starting to come in one thing we haven't seen this year is uh, a team break into the 20s and i don't know whether that's because our our players are being a bit harsh or because like you say, the facilities just aren't there. But maybe next year we'll we'll get to see some teams break into the twenties and see some even higher scores, because we definitely have seen some very low scores. Uh, minus two out of thirty from Greenwich springs to mind. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can get some higher scores and get into those twenties. I'd be interested to see what SJP would get if we turned up and it wasn't our pitch on an away day with our facilities. Surely you'd have to break the twenties. I think definitely because you know that you you've so, got man. you've got a decent sized changing rooms. They're right next to the pitch. The pitch is a great size. We've always oh. got a decent amount of support there, and they're not afraid of making noise. There are stands think, on all four sides too. Exactly, I, dugouts as well. Just the fact there's a pub would get a ten from me for facilities. Ah. But yeah, I I do think. As good as some of these away days have been, I don't think any of them have got uh, any uh, even in the same league as SJP in terms of 
how good a ground they are. Yeah, even this, even this, uh, this high score that we just got. I think, I think it's the first away days where the team's lost and they've uh, given the score. So, and and it's the highest. So, I think the players are being too harsh. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Sometimes that reflects this in the score, doesn't it? They might be a decent like away day, but because the team's lost, it's, the players are a bit bit harsher than they should be, maybe. Yeah, but well, to be fair, it was it. Kent had a really nice home ground, you know. It's it's a, a nice little sports complex, and there's actually a there was a rugby game going on behind us, so there was a, a an atmosphere around the place, but not necessarily at the football pitch. Like the the people at the football pitch were quite quiet. There wasn't a lot of banter going on. They uh, they got a bit rowdy when there was a few nutmegs here and there, but other than that, they weren't really. There wasn't any like chants going or any banter going back and forth. They were a bit they. Were, Quite quiet, quite, quite, quite PC. Um, so, and that is not something you'd see at SJP if if there was a few few lads going down to watch to support the boys or the women. So, yeah, there's a way to support uh, SJP, and well, this season anyways, for the most part. Yeah, I haven't yeah, been they're... to an uh, I haven't been to an away day where there's been any chance. So only SJP where I've seen that. That's all for part two. Join us again for part three. If you're a student in Wembley, you definitely know about Blue Check Wednesdays. From 10.30 onwards, you can get in for free, so make sure you don't miss out. Okay, so welcome back to part three. This segment seems a bit silly, to be honest, but we've got to do it anyway. We've done one for every other month, and now that all the games for this month have been concluded, albeit the two game weeks that there has been, uh, it's time to nominate a player of the month. So, Connor, who are you nominating forward for Player of the Month? Uh, my Player of the Month is Braden Page. Um, I think there, there's a few... I won't, I won't say it had to be him this month because there's been a few players that have put in real solid performances in our side. But he's played twice in two games, kept two clean sheets. He got man of the match in one of the games. He's played as a fullback and also as a midfielder. And he's been really solid in both roles. He is now, I think, going to be our new skipper now that Ricky Kenny's gone. So, yeah, it's been a very, very good month for, for Mr. Page. It's very deserving. Yeah, it just keeps going, getting better and better for Braden. Obviously, like you said, man of the match. He's He scored the other week. He got on the podcast finally. He's been made skipper and now he's been nominated for player of the month. He, it seems like he's just going from strength to strength and he's really thriving in that blue and red shirt. Yeah, very much so. Definitely growing more and more as, as the season's progressing. So, yeah. Dylan, who are you going with? Um, so, with the seconds, uh, just similar to October, they only had one game this month. So, um, I think the player of the month nominee has to go to Jack Babe, who got man of the match in the one game um, against Brunel, which we won 4-0. I think uh, it's about time that Jack received some recognition because like, there's been previous uh, there's been previous games where he's gone man of the like there's been games where we've won eight one and he hasn't scored or assisted but he's gone man of the match for that's how influential he's been with the team uh, he he just sits in midfield and he sort of like dictates the pace of the game almost so like like a Fernandinho for Man City he like sort of allows the rest of the team to attack and he's the guy who stays back um, so yeah he's been he's been like that the whole season I think he's been the most consistent player for the seconds. Yeah, and uh, he just he just got into the first, he just um, played a game for the first last week as well. Yeah, so I was just about to say that. Obviously, the 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 seconds have only had one game this this month, but Jack's actually played two. He played for the the first team 
uh, last Wednesday. And yeah, I, I can only echo what Dylan said. He he's been he's been brilliant. He was brilliant for us. He's a real standout performer, and he's also not afraid to have a shot, which was a ni- a, a nice change. I don't think our midfield the midfielders in the first team shoot enough, but he he had four or five shots, and it's it's great to see you know trying to catch the keeper off guard and. He was unlucky with a couple of them that they didn't go in, uh, forcing some great saves out of the Kent keeper, to be fair. Sean, even though he's absent, has nominated a player for Player of the Month. He has nominated Savannah Japal uh, from the women's team. Um, I haven't seen much of her, um, but he obviously Sean thinks that she's been their best player. Um, and I'm sure it's a deserving nomination because we all trust Sean's judgment here. Um, but yeah, so the women's nominee is Savannah Japal. For the first team, I am nominating. My nomination is a bit left field uh, this month, but obviously we've only had two games as well. And I think over the... And obviously it's been two defeats as well, so it's been quite hard to to sort of pick someone out of that as 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 a player of the month. But my player of the month is in terms of my nomination is going to be Joel Nagimbi. These last two games, Joel has played the best football that I've seen him play this, this season. Um, and in terms of uh, individual, even though the team performance hasn't been good, his individual performance, I think has gone up another level, um, which is why I'm putting him forward for player of the month this month. Obviously, guys, we've all put our nominations forward. They're all great players, all really deserving of Player of the Month. But only one can win. Who is it going to be? Uh, well, with Jack on the seconds, I think um, the the I think what what we saw. Okay, hold on. With Jack on the seconds, I think um, the, uh, he missed he missed the one cup game that which is the game that we got knocked out on our penalties. I think um, his absence was like heavily noticed, and I think like. Uh, after that, um, the seconds realise uh, how good Jack is and how influential he is in midfield. Yeah, I also think Jack's uh, done well for more than one team this month as well, which obviously shows his quality that he can come into different teams and still affect affect games. Um, so that sort of shows how good uh, he is. Yeah, I think also it's important to note that uh, Braden for us thirds, he... Play the the match he got man of the match. He played in a position that wasn't his position. Like he plays as a fullback and he played in a sort of centre defensive midfield role and ran the game really and ended up man of the match, which is big achievement, I think. Yeah, and I think obviously Braden now becoming the third team skipper. He's obviously a big name in that dressing room and very influential. And being an influential player in a team that is playing so well obviously means that he is playing quite well. Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of the player of the month, it's it's definitely between sort of Jack and Braden. Uh, obviously, you guys are a bit split. Um, I did speak to Sean beforehand and he was sort of leaning towards Braden, having seen him play a, a couple of times prior to this month. He And he just... Thought he was a real good player, willing to get stuck in and stuff like that. So Sean's proxy was out of the four to go towards, or out of the two of them to sort of go towards Braden. Well, I think it's a telling sign of a player's quality when they have to switch position and they 
um, still play well, and even to the point of getting man of the match. Point where Lorenzo asked him to play in that position again the week after because he played that well. Yeah, I think I think it's got to be Braden to be honest. I think he's had a great month, or not not just a month, a couple of weeks for the first, you know, getting his first goal, getting man of the match a couple of times. And now being promoted to skipper, it's just it just shows that he's going from strength to strength, and it looks like he's going to be lifting the league title for the thirds as well with the armband on. Yeah, I think Braden's definitely a deserving player of the month. Right. So are we are we settling on that then? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So congratulations to Braden Page for winning the player of the month for December. Round of applause. That's um, all for part three. Join us again for part four. So welcome back to the fourth and final segment of this episode. This week, obviously, we don't have games to look forward to uh, next week. So what we're going to do is look at our team of the year for UCFB in 2021. So these are uh, compiled of the four teams at, at UCFB, all the squads, putting them together to make one super starting eleven for uh the year 2021 based on players performances so starting off in goal lads i think there can only be one man personally i think tj kilcullen has got a going goal uh in our thing you know he's the first team goalkeeper he's been absolutely outstanding for us um keeping us in the game saving shots he was nominated for player of the month as well Last month, I just think, you know, I don't think there's any sort of competition in terms of that position. Well, it would have to be between yeah. either him or the third keeper as they both got nominated for Player of the Month last month. Yeah, Jack, Jack's jack been good for us this season as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, no, taking nothing away from Jack, TJ's obviously playing in a much more competitive league and he's still smashing it. So I think that TJ's probably deserving of it, even though Jack has been very good for the thirds. Right, so next at right-back, I think, again, this one sort of picks itself. We've just nominated him for Player of the Month. Uh, so I think it's got to be Braden. Yeah, I think he's been a commanding player for us this season. Very solid on the ball, cool, calm, under pressure, big voice. Uh, yeah, just a massive personality in our team. And I, yeah, after... Just crowning him player of the month. You couldn't really leave him out of the team of the year, could you? So, I think a shout out has got definitely got to go to the first team right back, Harry Nicholson, who's who's been great for us. He obviously started the season a, a bit lower in the pecking order because Troy started the first couple of games, uh, Troy Sutherland, but he's fought his way into that team, and now that right back spot is definitely his as well. So, Harry's sort of burdened with sort of great competition in terms of and that's the only reason why he's not in there um but yeah i think it's got to be Braden. i think braden has been the one of the best players throughout all three of the teams this season yeah definitely he's been putting putting in the performances right so who are we going for at center back lads well uh from if i'd have had my way i'd have had at least one of jordan mcmillan or marley sandal in that back line because they've both been phenomenal for us this season um but obviously there is four teams who are all playing to a very good standard there's there's eight eight starting center backs that could have gone into this team of the year 
So not everyone can get into the squad, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Megan Alloway is another one who Sean sings her praises a lot as a, a great defender. I think what maybe edged her out of the squad was that red card that she got, but then she obviously redeemed herself the week, uh, the next game, getting the, the goal that sent them to extra time. So, but yeah, something like that. But I, I personally just think Toby Mitchell has to be in that, that starting eleven. Has to be. I think he's the best player for the firsts um, in terms of the overall squad. He's, I think he's the, the best player. Um, and yeah, he's just an absolute giant in the air. I, I, I think in the two years I've watched him play football now, I'm yet to see him lose a header. And with the ball at his feet as well, he's so good. So I, I just, I don't see how you can have a team of the year where you're drawing the best players from each team and him not be in it. Yeah, I think he's been a regular in that first team for years now, hasn't he? He's just very solid, solid at the back and a big, big name in the team. So, yeah, I think he had to be in there. OK, so Toby goes in at centre-half. Who is the other centre-half with him? I've given my verdict on how good I think our centre-halves have been. So, I think uh, we haven't really heard too much about the centre-halves for the seconds. Yeah, I think uh, James Wells is a standout, standout player between the defenders for the seconds. Um not only is he able to defend well and keep pleases for the team, but he also, uh, every time he rushes forward, or every time he pushes forward from set pieces and corners, uh, he always somehow seems to get a goal or an assist. It's insane. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. He's the tall, he's the tallest yeah, player. That... He's the tallest player on the pitch, but he never scores headers. He always just like sort of somehow gets uh, gets onto the end of a ball and you know scores or sort of gets that final pass in the box to create an assist. I think he's scored like three or four goals this season, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so, something like that. And they all, all, all of them have come from him moving forward um, with uh, set pieces. Well, those are good numbers for a centre-back as well. Yeah, I don't think any of the other centre-backs have put numbers like him, so I think uh, he deserves to be in this team. Yeah, definitely. So it's James Wells that goes in alongside Toby Mitchell. What about left-back? Oh, I think uh, James James Wells has sort of been uh, important to the way UCFB attack... Um, uh, in terms of the way they use their fullbacks and their wingers, James Rolls, I think, has started every game um, in left back for the seconds, um, and he's had either uh, Taylor or Nime in front of him, and sort of like the the sort of chemistry between those two players um, every week has been incredible. Like he's, he's like he knows when to he knows when to push forward, he knows when to stay back, he knows which challenges um, he should or shouldn't take. He's been great in left back, and yeah, and uh, so one of the positions where they're Maybe hasn't been much competition. So in midfield, now this is where it gets tricky, boys. What sort of a formation do we want to play? Do we want to do four four two, four three three? What do we think? I think uh, with the team of the year, uh, it just has to be four three three. It's all the way it goes. I think most of the teams do, in fact, play a four three three, so it makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. In centre midfield, then who are we going for? Let's throw some names in there. For for the thirds, I'd have to say Ricky Kenny, Jude Harding, and the names that I'd throw into the hat. Uh, obviously, the skipper and Jude has been very solid this season, dominated our midfield. Ricky's earned himself a call up to the first. Jude's played with the first a couple of times. Uh, yeah, just both class midfielders. I think they they should be in in and around. 
What about you guys? Yeah, Ricky's been great when he's come to us, and that's sort of shown in the fact that he's now getting called up to the first team. Um, but we've yeah, we've we've been lucky that we've experienced some some great midfielders uh, this year. Uh, Callum Foster, as always, has been brilliant. Mr. 75% speed, 100% of the time, putting in the hard yards for the team. Another one uh, that's really impressed me is uh, Richard Mills. His delivery has just been outstanding in terms of from wide areas and stuff like that and on set pieces. His delivery is unbelievable. Put it on, put it, put it on a sixpence for the strikers. And, and so he's another one that's really impressed me. Uh, Sean wanted to put forward Rio Rosenberg, and I think she's been great for the women this year. She's been a real key player for them. So I think Sean was saying that she has to go in there, and he, he was very adamant on the fact that she has to take one of the spots. So I think if we give that to Sean and let Rio, Rio go in there, that's one of the three midfielders. Um, I completely agree with you, Connor. I think Jude definitely has to be in there. I think the sort of the start he made to the season, the fact that he was our first player of the month as well, sort of adds to his CV um, and why he should be in there. Um, but yeah, I so I think personally, Rio and Jude definitely need to be in there. Yeah, I think Jude's one of the only players who's played in all three teams as well. Yeah, and I think playing in the midfield and the, the goal numbers he's putting up, he, well, he has been putting up as well, just silly numbers really and also yeah the receiving the first player of the month award I think he's got to be in there really any midfielders you want to put forward Dil? Well we spoke about Jacobi in the previous segment so we've seen how good he is well, we've talked about how good he is uh, and how he's been uh, for the seconds this season but with the with the midfielders in this team it's difficult there's a lot of players uh, I think it's uh, one of the most competitive positions because of how many players there are playing in that position so I think in terms of if you've got Rio and, and Jude in there, they're both players that are going to want to get up and down. They're both very good going forward. So I think you need a, a sort of a player to sit and just in that holding role. And I think, I don't think, I think Ricky's so good at that. I think it, it he has to be in that team. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think Ricky's been very solid. Uh, obviously being made captain of the thirds and then being, Obviously, the, the manager of the first team had seen enough in him that he knew he wanted Ricky in his squad. I think that says all you need to know, really, about, about how he's been playing this season and how good of a player he is. OK, so front three, then. If we go, if we, if we, are we, are we set on Ricky Holding and then Rio Rosenberg and Jude Harding in midfield? Yeah. yeah. So. All right, so then on to the front three. Right wing, who are we going with? Um, I think based on how we've done it so far and how the, her performance is this season, I think you've got to have Kira Perdue on that right side. Oh, but so not Giorgio. Oh, no. But yeah, no, to be fair, she has been player of the month. So you can't really argue with that. But ah, oh, I feel it kills me that Giorgio is not in that team. I think he's been so instrumental for the first. This year, I feel like we've got to work him in. Maybe, maybe we can play a false nine and play Giorgio as sort of that, just behind uh, two wide forwards. Would Would you yeah. guys compromise with that? Yeah, I think that is a potential discussion point. 
I've not seen the first play this year, but from what I've seen on the Twitter and heard from you, I think he's deserving of being in the squad. And I think you've got to have Kira on that right side. Uh, just following up the theme of the fact she won player of the month and the goal number she's been putting up. So sounds like a fair compromise. Yeah, d- definitely. I think Kira sort of her, her stats and her performances and all the accolades she's got this year sort of means she picks herself in that team. But I think Giorgio is another one that just has to go in the team for me. Um, so it's just one of them where we're sort of, we've got to tweak it a little bit and work it. Who do we think about on the left-hand side then to complete this front three and to complete this team of the year? Uh, I think, again, for the thirds, uh, Ben Daly's been phenomenal this year. But I think watching a couple of the seconds games, I think uh, Taylor Warden's been absolutely phenomenal this season also. Yeah, he's scored a hat full of goals as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I think we 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 seen how good he's been just from the the, the first game of the season. He got three goals and three assists. So just just from that, I think you can see how, how good he's been. But with the seconds, uh, the um, all three wingers, which who are Taylor Warden, uh, Nine Mitch Duby, and Samus, uh, all three of them are, are on seven goals so far this season. So it's a uh, it's sort of a tough competition between the seconds players only. Yeah, exactly. They um they they've all been on fire on the seconds, but. Yeah, I think Taylor's another one that sort of stood out to me. He obviously got nominated for Player of the Month as well. So there's a bit of a running theme going throughout the team that uh, players, in in if they're nominated for Player of the Month, they're, they're going to be in that team. And, and the team is made up of a lot of players that have been nominated for Player of the Month or have actually won it as well. I think for the, for, for the wingers, Taylor's been Taylor's the best player individually. And um, a, a lot of his goals have been... Uh important as well like in our in the second first uh, cup game of the season they were down 2-0 and he scored the equalizer and the winner and he scored in the cup game after that too so yeah so are we going with yeah. taylor yeah i think i think we have to just to cap off this team of the year ucfb team of the year for 2021 uh we've got tj kilcullen in goal Braden page at right back center backs are james wells and toby mitchell at left back, you've got James Rose. In centre midfield, you've got Ricky Kenny, Rio Rosenberg and Jude Harding. Uh, right wing, Kira Perdue. Left wing, Taylor Warden. And then in a false nine, we've got Giorgio Delalo. How does that sound, boys? It's a solid team, that is. Yeah, yeah. I think that team would give, give most teams a run for their money. I think even with how solid that team is, there's quite a few players that like could easily slot into that side as well that that have been almost good enough to get in but obviously there's just been a lot of, there's not enough positions to go around yeah i think oh, with, yeah. The, with the amount of positions we have to choose from i think the players in this team some of them i saw there by you know like fine margins as how good um people have been this season yeah i was gonna say obviously with a team of the year only 11 can be selected but i think there's so many at ucfb that could get in that team so apologies to any players that do feel like they're they've been hard done by by not getting in the team but we we can only pick 11 that is all for this episode of the ucfb football podcast thanks for listening and we'll be back in the new year uh, when the season kicks off again merry christmas to everyone and a happy new year thank you for listening we'll see you on wednesday at blue check wembley make sure you grab your four shots for a tenner take care